Only two more studies, Hebrews 12 tonight. <clears throat> We're doing Hebrews 13, and then Sean's going to do the short and sweet, and then my family's out of here. Yeah. You guys didn't know? <laughs> Signs, you know? It's like the pregnant woman. We're calling it. <laughs> no, our family has invited us to go to a, a very hard place. <laughs> So we have to go suffer for 10 days, I think, in Florida, Disney World, get my mouse ears on. <laughs> I'm not really, that was figurative. <laughs> you know, my little girls probably will get me into one. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it's pretty cool that our... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're all Minnie Mouse, right? They're nice bows. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sean has his. I can. Oh yeah. I used to have one of those, the old school ones with the velvet, like little caps. Yeah. Virgil. <laughs> you should bring that tomorrow night. Show us at men's group. <laughs> <laughs> Come and rock it, yeah. Yeah, that'll, that'll be cool. So, um, And then Sean's going to go ahead and take over a, a book. Um, I'm not sure which one he's going to do yet, but he's going to be doing it for a while. So it'll be really good. All right. Um, Hebrews 12, awesome part of Scripture. Love this part of Scripture. This is where at the very end of Hebrews, he brings everything home. And this is really where the application comes in. And so as we've been studying through all of Hebrews and we're seeing how awesome Jesus Christ is and how he supersedes every old way, the old covenant, and you come to this point where this, the author here is going to encourage the Jewish people, but it's such an encouragement to us too. And just a title tonight is Don't Grow Weary. Don't Grow Weary. It's a great study. And if you guys are going through really hard times right now, there's difficult situations, there's hard things, and it doesn't have to be something extreme. I'm not talking like, you know, there, there's people that are going through cancer, going through horrible situations, but this is also, it really feeds to us that are also going through those times of weariness where we've been doing something for so long and you're kind of over it. You know, it's, it's like, Lord, I've been serving you in this way for years and I'm kind of, I'm tired of it, honestly, and, and I really don't want to go forward. I really don't have, you know, the umption, the, the endurance to keep going. And so I need something to happen where you'll come in and intervene. And so it's also for that. So it's a, it's a wide range on who uh, the scriptures are speaking to and encouraging here. So I hope that every single one of you guys is encouraged. And those of you guys that are feeling like drawing back or slowing down or just going into walking, you know that you keep going forward and you keep just pushing hard um, until Jesus comes back, until that race is finished. And so we're going to get into it. We're going to look at four different focuses that I saw as I went through the scriptures on just how we can get through difficult situations, and they're awesome. It's so good. This is such a, a nourishing chapter to where if you guys are going through those hard times, come back to this chapter. Just remember in the future, if there's anything going on, come back and read this chapter, and, and the Lord will bless you. I'm, I guarantee he'll show you these things that are going to come out so that you guys can keep going forward with him. And so let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 4 to get started. It says uh, in verse... One, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to, uh, to bloodshed, striving against sin. And Lord, we really want to just hear from you and just the study that you've been uh, going through with me and all of Hebrews, and especially this part of the scripture, Lord, I pray that you would just touch people's lives like you've touched mine. Um, Lord, that we'd open up our hearts to you, we get to see how loving of a father you are. Um, we'd really recall different things that are going on in our lives and that we would take them before you. You know, whether it be problems that we're going through or even sin that we need to deal with before you, Lord. Um, I pray you just bring it all out tonight that all of us could walk away from here just closer to you, Lord. Um, getting to be those sons and daughters that you've called us to and getting to hold your hand as we walk out of here. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to make things right between uh, us and you. And, and Lord, that you would be able to encourage us that we'd step out of the way and we could see the awesome encouragement that you've brought through your son. And uh, we just want to rely on him. We want to fall back on him. And we just thank you so much for the blessing you've given in our lives. And uh, Lord, I just pray you help me get through the, the, the teaching and it would just be about you, you know, especially in this last part uh, of this section, Lord, that you would just teach. And I just thank you and just pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So the question I think that we could start out is how do you guys deal with difficult times? You know, when there's something that comes up in your life, what do you guys usually run to? And I know usually right away, I mean, we know the right answer is we go to God, we go to prayer. But when you stop and you think about it, <laughs> where do you find the place of being relaxed? Where do you find that peace? Because there's a lot of times we'll panic, we'll, we'll get upset with a situation, we'll get upset with people, we'll have a difficult time. We run to God right away, pray about it, and then we go grab whatever is our security blanket, and we go and spend time with that rather than sitting down, even though it is hard to sit down with him and continue in that fellowship with him, we've had these little things where we can draw back and completely just zone out, you know, and that could be a, it could be a huge variety of things. It could be books, you know, it could be your music, it could be, I, I'd say any form of entertainment usually is what ends up happening, is some kind of entertainment that we can retreat back to. And the thing with entertainment is that you can just sit there and have some focus point and you don't have to do a single thing. When we retreat back to God, there is requirements. There are things, there's duties for us to do. We fall in his arms, but we have to have that conversation. We need to talk with him. We need to listen to him and see. We need to wait on him. And so there is action that takes place, and there's so many times that our flesh will not even want to go there because it doesn't want to die, right? Or it doesn't understand that it is dead. And so when we go to it, we all of a sudden we start going back and pleasing that old man rather than sitting there and saying, no. God, I want the spiritual side. I want that to be the victory. I want to have this time with you. Don't let my flesh gain in whatever it's wanting, whether it's wanting to go eat a good meal so I can get rid of whatever thoughts, you know, or, or wherever the, the body's wanting to go, that you can just come face to face and deal with those difficult times with him. And there's so many neat things, and it's not just going and praying and reading your Bible, although I'm not, those are awesome times with God, but there's also other places in this passage that talk about different things that we do with him to get out of those difficult times. One of them is even dealing with our brothers and sisters in church, which some people would be like, whoa, that's adding fuel to the fire. <laughs> when I'm having a difficult time, I do not want to go deal with those people. <laughs> I, want to have, I want to be in a good mood before I go there. That way I can treat people nice like they think I am, you know? 
<laughs> and we can continue in this relationship. <laughs> but that is the last place I want to go when I'm, I'm, I'm horrible and, and I don't want to see anybody or I've had a hard time with these other people. I, I'm not going to go there. But God encourages us. He encourages us to go there. And the other thing is that we, we, we think, okay, it's just prayer and, 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 and reading his Bible. But another one of those is that he disciplines us. That's another one of those places that as we're going through difficult times, you get that reassurance of that love from him through that discipline. What you're thinking, okay, difficult time, I need more pain. I need more, you know, like being chastised, and that's going to make it better. And we'll go through that. We'll get to see that it is one of those things that you get this comfort zone because of that. That you get to feel as true sons and daughters when that happens. And it's an awesome, peaceable thing that comes to us, and that's what the scripture even says. So we have all these people. And as we went through last week in chapter 11, we got to see a ton of different men and women, right? Okay, two women, a lot of men. We got to see them all in there, and they were talking about the faith, and the faith overcame the situations they were going through, right? And it was such a neat thing to see these people going through difficult times. Every one of these people were going through hard times. I mean, they're people. They're in the world. That's what happens. They're having to make hard decisions. They're having to follow after the Lord, even though the world was saying, no, do it this way. It's a lot easier. It's more comfortable to do it this way. It's, it's more joyful. It's more peaceable to do it this way. And they're like, no, I'm going God's way. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to have faith in his promises and what he says the outcome's going to go. I'm going to go against all that other stuff, and I'm going to go with that. And so when verse 1, right when it says that, that's why it's saying, therefore, guys, because I just went through this list of all these people, all these awesome examples, we also have a cloud, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And it's not saying that it's like, uh, you know, all these spirits that are kind of hovering around us, and, and we're in an auditorium, and they're like, go get them, yeah, get them, hit them harder. It's not that kind of deal. It's not these witnesses to the fight, okay? What it is, it's witnesses as far as they're giving testimony to what God has done in their life to show us that it absolutely can happen the way that God promises. And because they've followed God faithfully, and not all the time, remember. There's lots of them that had problems. But in those things, they finished the race well. And what is their witnesses to us that, guys, it is possible. You can come from all different walks of life, and you retreat back to God and His Word, and it will have a good outcome. It will have that salvation that will come to you. And that's what they testify. That's the witness that they're giving. And so he's saying, guys, when you're going through those hard times, when you're getting persecuted, especially with the Jewish people and what they're having to go through, they're wanting to retreat back to the easy way and follow with those customs, go back to the old rituals, rather than keep going with him, and going in the new way, in that way of grace, and what ends up happening is that he was trying to encourage them, don't go back to that, look at all these other men, that they, they were stayed steadfast, their faith was there, they overcame, and so because we have so many witnesses, we can also do that, and I love that he says that, because there's so many times that there's just people that want to focus back on Jesus Christ, and say that's the only example you have to live by. Awesome example, and we're going to get into that next, because he goes right there with Jesus Christ, the ultimate example. I think it's hard, though, for us sometimes to try to relate ourselves with Jesus Christ, because we're like, well, he's God's son. Of course he's going to school everybody, and he's going to do it perfect. <laughs> you know, I, I can't relate myself with Jesus. And I hope you guys have gotten through Hebrews that we absolutely, he can relate with us because that's why he came down so that he could relate with us, that he could go through every single thing that we've had to go through. Every temptation, it's just that he didn't go into the sin part of it. He was tempted by it all. 
so that he could say, I know what it's like to be in your shoes. I was just talking with my little girls, we had one of the devotionals that we had, it was talking about how Jesus knows what it's like to go to school. He knows what it's like to have the parents upset, you know? Like these little things that they really didn't think about because they think God, Jesus on the cross, you know, and, and all these other, but they've never thought of him as being their age and going through those same things that they're going through in their own life. And now you guys that are over 33, I mean, you can't really say, well, he was at my age, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but we know that those things, and we know at least by 33, all of us have done, you know, we've all had the, the great experiences of life up until that age. So looking at that and getting to see that, you know, what he did go through everything. But the writer here also includes all of these other men and women throughout all the history of the Old Testament to show us that it, it is possible the other errors, but God's grace supersedes, and now you can go in faith and you can overcome. And so that's why he tells him we have such an awesome cloud of witnesses. And then what happens is that he's trying to help us out and getting through those difficult times and, and those stresses that we have to go through and, and show us that these witnesses of God's, uh, they're witnesses of God's faithfulness. They're witnesses of his care for us. They're witnesses of his grace over us, and they're witnesses ultimately of God's love for us. Look at every one of those guys' lives, and you get to see each one of those things pop out. And so, four focuses I want to give you guys tonight that are given uh, to help with the difficult and the hard times. Excuse me. The first one is the example of Jesus Christ. That's going to be verses 1 through 4. The second one is the assurance of God's love. The assurance of God's love in verses 5 through 13. And then the pursuit of peace and holiness pursuit of peace and holiness in 14 through 17. And then the last one is remember who you serve. Remember who you serve, 18 through 29. Each one of these things can help you guys get through those, those hard, difficult, hard times. I mean, you look at, you have an example of Jesus to look to, you have the assurance of God's love in your life, you pursue peace and holiness, and you remember who you serve. And I guarantee that if you guys have ever walked into any of those things, when you go through a difficult time, it seems like all the worries are gone because there's so much more there to life. There, seems like sometimes we get very narrow-minded as we go through difficult, hard times, and all we can do is focus on that, that horrible thing that's going on, and then our minds like to make it bigger, you know, and think about all the worst possible outcomes of that situation, and we keep going on and on, or that person really meant this when they said that to me, and you start making this whole bad relationship between that other person and the other person has no idea you're doing, <laughs> you know, and all these things that your mind can go into rather than you have to have that refocus, and you have to have that focus back onto him. And so let's look at Jesus as that first example. And so in verse 12, the second part of, or I'm sorry, in verse 1 of chapter 12, the second part of that verse 1, it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which also easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so as it goes on and it talks about the, we're surrounded by the cloud of witnesses, so let us lay aside those weights. And we don't really see that happening as far as an example nowadays. Um, a lot of runners will use those parachutes. I don't know. Do, do the runners use the weights still? I don't think so. Not very much. What would they would do back then is they would put the weights on and then just start practicing, and then they would take them off and do the race, right? I, I think the equivalent now, if you guys know anything about baseball, is that you know, before they go out there and bat, they put the weights on the bat, and they sit there and swing it for a little bit, and then they'll throw those, those weights off there and uh, go out there and, and hit a home run, right? Every time. <laughs> but what they're doing is they're laying aside those, those, we, those weights. And 
you get to see that there's this example, and right as he goes off of that in those cloud of witnesses, and he's talking about laying aside that, that sin and everything, you get to see that happen in those people's lives. There's some people that will say, uh, let's just stick with the New Testament. You know, that, that's what's applicable for today. That's, that's really what will touch your life because it's, it's, you know, after Jesus, you know, came. So it, it's more in tune with what we're going through. Not true. <laughs> there's people beforehand. Go over to Romans 15.4. And this is a great verse. Anybody that says, you know, I really don't get into the Old Testament. Uh, maybe I'll read Proverbs and Psalms because they're really pretty books or something weird like that. But all those books and all those things that God has written about those people, it's there for a reason. And Romans, you can take them over to Romans and say, well, yeah, but here's a great verse here that shows that we do need to pay attention to what happened then. And it goes right along with what we're going to talk about in, in the endurance. So in Romans 15.4, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And so that, that word there, the patience, through the patience, that's also that, that same word for endurance. And so through the endurance and the comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So whatever things are written before, it's for us to learn from. All those things that were written in the Old Testament about those people were for us to learn from and get to see, and then we, we get that hope established. You get to have that endurance that takes place and that comfort in the scriptures that we might have hope. So if they're challenging you and saying that, you know, let's just get one of those small Bibles, the little New Testament ones that have the Psalms. I don't know, maybe that's what they retreat to and that's why they only have that one. But encourage them, go back to the Old Testament because there are real people in there. They're having to deal with real situations and they get to see God come through when they turn to him and they obey his word and really take it for what it is. Now back over in Hebrews 12 in that second part, lay, us, lay aside every weight, just like what these guys did, these witnesses. They laid aside those weights. Um, when you look at the weights and when people would lay them aside, especially back in this running, you know, the race, they would set them aside and they wouldn't just go race and then come back and, and put them on to go another lap or they wouldn't leave one on. It was like they'd drop it all, right? And they would go until the race was completed and they'd leave them behind, I mean, that's, it's such a great picture in the writer and what they're saying here. And because the thing that he's associating with is lay, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That, that, that sin that's holding us back. And I think it's awesome because there's a lot of times that we think, okay, Lord, I'm going to get rid of this sin right now. Okay, I found out a formula how to do it. Step back. I'm going to do it this time. I promise you. You make these promises. And then you go and do it, and you go and you race, and you run really hard, and you're like, yes, I'm doing so good. And you're like, yeah, I won the race. And then you go back and pick up those weights, <laughs> and you put them right back on, you know, as, as if, and it's confusing because the thing is, is that the race that he's talking about is unto death, isn't it? It's not a race that we're in spurts. We're not trying to, okay, I'm going to do really good this time, and then I need to go put the weights on to train again. I need to, get, you know, it's not like that. It's not at all like that. It's that we drop those weights off and we run away from them. We drop those sins off, we get away from them, and we run until Jesus comes back or until we get to death, right? And then we get to be with him. That's when our race is completed. That's when it's ended. And when you look at the sin, that word that he uses there, he says, easily ensnares us. Usually those are those sins that we kind of... It's not that we don't want to get rid of them, but we kind of hold them around. You know, it's like we leave those temptations there instead of getting rid of them. It's just like a great example. My aunt, crazy sleepwalker, okay? 
she would have to hide the desserts from herself because she would wake up in the morning with candy wrappers around her bed and, and all kinds of stuff. So she got to a point where she, <laughs> there's one of them, she hid a pie away. And unfortunately, I don't know why she didn't have somebody else hide it because how is she, <laughs> you know, you're going to know where it is. Next morning she wakes up and there's crumbs all over the bed and an empty pie pan. <laughs> You know, leaving that temptation, it would have been better to just go throw it in the, well, maybe not in the trash because she would have been out there digging it out. <laughs> but it's, it's better just to completely get rid of it. But sometimes that's hard because what will end up happening is also those good things are tied to that. I think a prime example is any of you guys that are having problems with the internet, you women, any problems with the internet, things that are taking you away from God, things that are holding you back, those weights, there's a lot of good in the internet. I mean, Amazon Prime, come on. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have to get rid of that? You know, there's certain things that it's like, God, you're so much more important to me, and I keep falling into this sin. I need to get rid of it, even though there's some good there that I can use to help out my life. I need to get rid of that. And that's how runners were. The runners weren't like, okay, here's the good, here's the bad. I'm going to throw off the bad, of course, so I can go. Runners are always, I'm going to get the best, and I'm going to throw off the good. Because there's the good and then there's the best. Of course a runner's going to want the best. And so there's some situations where it's not just sins, but it's also these things in our lives that are weighing us down, that are keeping us from being in that race and, and the, having that endurance that we have to have as we go forward. And so there's different times in our lives where we have to say, you know what, God, I need your help because I'm not going to be able to get rid of this. But I want it absolutely out of my life. I want that pie at the neighbor's. I don't even want to know where it's at, so I'm not getting into it in the middle of the night. I don't want it close to me. And when we take our walk very serious like that, oh, it's so neat because the disasters and the things that are going on in your life, it, it, it's so nice because your relationship's so close with him then. Because you've said to Jesus, he's so much more important than these little good things and the, the sin that I keep returning to. I want it completely gone because I want us to be close. I want that relationship to be there. I want to be home with Jesus. It's such a good thing. And so the writer's saying, get away from it. Drop that sin off and take off running. Go away. Be a Joseph. Drop it and go. That was a sweet jacket that he left behind. That's one of those goods. He had to get out of there though, you know? Now, with the endurance, as it says the next part, it says, let us run with endurance the race that it was set before us. That endurance, looking at endurance, it's bearing the unpleasant times is what endurance is. Uh, it's bearing the difficult times. It's, it's even bearing the painful times. If you guys think running, especially a person like me, it hurts like crazy. And you feel like you're going to die. <laughs> like I rough house with my kids and I'm like, dang, I am fat because I am out of breath right now. <laughs> I'm like, golly, that's a wake up call. I need to get out and start running. <laughs> but it's like one of those things that you, you're, you're out there and you're pushing and you're striving and, and it's going to be painful. It will. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be a bunch of cherries, right? It's not going to be this nice cushy bed. And, and that's how it is. It's because that's where growth will come. That's where it's saying to Jesus, you know what, you're so important to me that I'm going to go through this hardship because I'm looking forward to that hope that you've given me, and I'm going for it. And it's so cool because all those situations, those painful situations, those hard times, isn't it neat to see the growth that comes out of that? I mean, how many things can you guys look at your lives and look back on it and say, God, thank you so much for taking me through that time. It was super hard, but I would not at all be the person I am now. 
I wouldn't be able to comfort others like I can now unless I had gone through it. I don't ever want to go through it again, <laughs> but thank you for showing me through that time. And your relationship is so much closer as you come out the other side of that situation. It's so close to him. If you've chosen to grasp onto him during that time, that's an important point. Rather than to shed away and say, you know, poor me and really focus on self, it, you won't come out on the other side the same way. It'll be pretty depressing. But when you focus on him, you take hold of him and you go through that time with him, it's going to be an awesome thing because of that growth that's coming out of it. And so we look under Jesus, and that's what verse 2 is saying. You have that endurance, you keep going, even though it's painful, and you keep going straight forward for that hope that he's given you, and you look unto Jesus. You have that complete focus on Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that it was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And what this verse is doing is showing us that you can look to Jesus because he went through really hard times. You can't touch the times that he went through and he still succeeded. Jesus could have said no. I mean, that, he, he had a free will there. It wasn't that he was bound into this whole situation. It was that he wanted to obey the Father and he kept going. What an awesome example to us. And don't be robbed by saying, well, that's because it's Jesus. And of course, Jesus could do that. Because the thing is that he was still given the same command that we're given from the Father. And he still had the same choice that we have of walking away from that and doing his own will. Now, I'm so glad that he didn't because then the sacrifice wouldn't have happened, right? If he would have taken that on. And so it says, look unto Jesus. And I love this. And you guys have heard this verse, I'm sure, several times. The author and finish of our faith. I think it's so cool because we can't even claim our own faith. Right? It's not like, hey, guys, I have so much faith. I mean, I, you guys should see. I, I don't care. I'll drop everything and I'll move wherever God wants me to go. My faith is so big. It's not at all anything that he's ever, or I've ever done for myself to gain. It's a, completely what he's done is he's set it up. He's the one that's author of it, and he's the one that perfecter, the finisher of the faith, which is another relief because there's so many people out there saying, you guys got to have this faith so that you can succeed in this. You got to have this faith so that this person will get better. You got to have faith so that your wife is not going to die. And it's like all this stuff that they're putting into a person that it's not, it's not God. It's not him. And I think it's so cool that Jesus, in the way that he gives us that faith, the way that he is the author, and the way that he is a perfecter, is he'll take you guys through times that are very hard where you have to lean on him. And I think I've given this example before. It's just like Indiana Jones, right? In the Temple of Doom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a good one. He's going to go out across that one plank out there, that, that skinny beam, and it looks like it's just straight down, and, and he's going to walk out across this cavern without any bottom, Right? And he takes and he throws the sand across it because that makes it a sure thing that it's there. But if you notice in that, he's very careful even though when he steps out on there and it's like really close, you know, steps. The biggest point is though when he goes running out of there, do you think he looked at all? No, remember everything's collapsing. He took off because he knew that bridge was there. He knew it was there. It's the exact same that Jesus does with us is because he'll take us out to a place where we're not very sure-footed in it. He'll expose it a little bit to us to show us, and we'll take slow steps out there. Okay, are you sure you got me? Yeah, I got you. Okay, I'm going to take another step. And then you get across that place that he's taking you, and then as you come back and there's another situation that happens exactly the same, you're just like, this is nothing. It's because he's given you that faith. He's given you that faith by putting that trust there, by catching you. And it's so cool to see that that's what he'll do. But it always ends up progressing, doesn't it? 
he hardly ever takes us through that same faith exercise if you want to look at it. It's always something different because he's going to get your faith and he's going to be the author. He's going to be the finisher of it. Who for the joy was set to him. And then it goes through this example. And so and talking about Jesus and how he showed us how he had endurance, how Jesus Christ had endurance. So he focused on the joy of the work, didn't he? It says that right there. The finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Focusing on that, that joy of getting to fulfill what the Father has asked him to do. That joy to endure the cross, not letting the shame overtake him. If you look at that, it says, enduring the cross, despising the shame. He didn't let the shame overtake him. Think about the shame he was having to go through. I mean, what was put on him? Being separated from the Father. Instead, what it says, he despised it. He hated it. He put it right in its place. He didn't nourish on it. He didn't let it take him over. He didn't get depressed about his situation. He just hated that and despised that shame that was upon him. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in the end, he gets to have that reward of sitting down in the place of honor. Such a neat thing because it's completely a story for us. Getting to see, this is what happens, guys, right here. He's, he's attesting to it. He's showing us, here's what it is to endure. This is what it's going to look like. Here's an awesome reward. You get to be with him. What an awesome thing. In verse 3, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. That weary, what it's talking about there is it's, it's a physical or mental exhausted. It's, it's when you've done a lot of hard work, you're, you're, you're strained. It's when you go through a long day and you come out of it and you're like, I don't want to do anything else. I'm so tired right now. I don't want to have to do this anymore. You know, I've grown, it, it's not a boredom or dull. I'm just, I'm, I'm exhausted from it. Like, don't make me keep going from this. And then that other word there, in being discouraged, that lost confidence or that lost enthusiasm, and it's disheartened. And so it says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And right there it says, You guys don't want to be discouraged. You guys don't want to be uh, weary. What it does is says, Consider him who endured such hostility. Go back to Jesus and put your focus back on him. When you're going through a situation, what you can do is you can look at it and say, Wow, if he endured that many years here on this earth, and especially those last three, then he can definitely help me go through this situation. And then we go and we call out on him. That's one of those times where you go and you talk with him and you go through the word, but you sit down and you spend time with him. And sometimes that will look like you not talking at all. And maybe just bawling before him. You know, just, as, just saying, I need you right now. I don't know what to do in this situation, but I know you've gone through such things and your, your word says right here, God, that consider you that endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that I don't become weary or I don't become discouraged in my soul. And so because you promised that, Lord, just come in and just, just fill me. Get me away from this. I don't want to go down that road. In verse 4, you have not yet resisted bloodshed, striving against sin. And it really just puts the people in the place, puts us in our place, to say that is your situation where either you're going against what the world's telling you to do as far as sinners, you're going against that sin, you're, going, you're dealing with that difficult situation, is it so hard that you're, you're shedding blood over it? Like what Jesus Christ had to do? I mean, is it that far? So what it's saying is not like Jesus Christ won up to you 
And so, you know, there you go. He's the winner. It's showing you that he has gone to the absolute extreme that you'll probably never go to in your whole life. So, of course, he's going to be there for you. Of course, he's going to be there to be able to comfort you because he's been the ultimate in one of the worst situations. I don't know how many of you guys have read those missionary biographies, especially the people that have been tortured for Christ. Uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Very encouraging. I mean, it's sad stories of what happened to these people, but it's so cool to see what these people went through and how they endured going through all of that pain and everything. And if you could just sit down with that person, I'm sure you would not bring up some situation in your life. Well, Lee, I don't know, maybe you would, where it's like, you know what? I'm so sick of my vehicle. My vehicle keeps breaking down, and God's really testing me. <laughs> and they're just like, you know, and probably most of them would just, they'd be so generous and be like, okay, yeah. But, I mean, can you imagine talking to somebody about that that's been tortured, that's had to stand in front of a white, bright wall for you know, weeks at a time, is one guy that I read about. Or having those shocking um, sticks that they'd use on cattle put in your mouth. And, and horrible situation, I mean, disgusting things that they've done to these people, and sitting down and talking with them about that. And what it does, is it just puts you in that place. It really makes you think, really, is this that bad, what I'm going through? Is this situation that extreme that I'm going through? God, could you please put me in check? Because there's sometimes we'll fall into a, a place where everything becomes a big deal. And then it actually is hard for other people to be around you because they're usually going through a really difficult situation and, and you, you, know, you might be talking about TiVo's not working. <laughs> and I don't, It's just one of those things just to go back and check and say, God, where am I at right now? I know what you've had to go through. And I just want you to put it in check in my life. Is this a big deal? I know it really seems like it is to me, and can you just comfort me through the situation? And so one of those things that we go to is we go back to Jesus and we focus on him and the work that he's done, and we go and talk to him, spend some time with him, because he knows what you guys are going through. So that's the first one. And I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, boy. So the second one is the assurance of God's love. I love this one. This one is so neat and and encouraging to parents nowadays. Super encouraging. So let's go ahead and read through it. Verses 5 through uh, 13. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Verse 8, But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of the spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so this seems like, okay, how is that going to help me through the situation? Because it sounds like I'm getting a good spanking. You know, for <laughs> I was doing something wrong and... And uh, there's discipline coming down the, the, the pipe. Well, when we get a look at this, and, and what happens is that at the very first verse, you know, they've forgotten about this exhortation. They forgot about this encouragement. And if you remember back over in chapter 5, verse 11, it said that they'd become dull of hearing. 
And that's one of the things that they, they, they experienced is that they, the Word of God was not having the impact it was supposed to be having on their lives. And what happens is if you become dull of hearing, if the Word of God doesn't have that impact on your life, you start forgetting things that He's promised. You start forgetting these promises that will encourage you. If you're down in the dumps and you're like, I don't have any encouragement, you know, usually you can just write that on Facebook and everybody will send you a ton of verses, right? <laughs> you're like, all right, all right, chill out. <laughs> it's like one of those books you can look up for discouragement and it's got all those verses. You just do that with the friends on Facebook, which is awesome. I mean, it's great. You know, there's some verses that come across here like, Wow, I didn't even know that one was in there. But it's sad when you forget about the encouragement that comes through the Word of God, because it does. It comes right through it. So the other one is that assurance that you can have in God's love for you. And what he says there, he says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord or the discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It's an awesome thing to be disciplined by God. Have you guys ever prayed... Like, God, if I'm messed up right now, could you please discipline me because I want to just know for sure that I'm yours? No? I'm a weirdo. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those times that I went through in doubting and really, you know, I, I, it's just one of those times you get attacked. And I'm really like, God, I know I'm doing things wrong, but I haven't seen any discipline in my life. And what it was is verse 8 really scared me to death. Because in verse 8 it says, But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. And I'd much rather have that discipline in my life, that reassurance that God absolutely loves me, that I truly am his son, than to be illegitimate and just to be playing a game and just sitting there and, okay, I can kind of do all this stuff, you know, and I can play the church thing too. I can look like a son, but I'm not really a, a son. And it's not talking about those works, but it's actually talking about where is that heart at? Is it one of those things that you do truly believe in Jesus? And we, we talked about that a couple uh, weeks ago, so I won't go there again. But just to be thinking, like, does God discipline me in my life? Are there times that, you know, if I'm messing up, there is discipline. There's, he's chastising me. And it's such a good thing. When you guys were growing up and you guys did something horrible, like, you know, shot a BB gun that went through your window and also hit the neighbor's window, and you, you felt at that age you could have killed somebody. <laughs> you ever been done that? All right, Mike. <laughs> Slap hands. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> scared to death, right? You hope your parents never find out. Unfortunately, a BB doesn't just go through and make a little hole. It cracks that whole window. And then the neighbors, they can usually tell what direction it comes from, you know, because the angles on everything. It's such a scary thing until you get into trouble because you're just so worried about them finding out. You're trying to think of all the worst things that are going to happen to you. Dad's going to take you out back and shoot you with it, you know. <laughs> All these things you're building up in your mind until finally that, that chastisement, that discipline comes. You know, you get that spank and you get your BB gun taken away from you and you have to go apologize to the neighbors and then work off mowing their lawn so you can pay for a new window for them. But the thing is, there's so much, so much peace that comes when you finally get into trouble. Because it's like, whew, okay, bring it on. Because <laughs> it is torture when I'm just going through this and I know I've done something wrong. I'm trying to hide. I'm trying to stay away from that. And it finally comes down the pipe that, yeah, I did it. I'm in trouble. Give me my punishment. And that's what in verse 11 it says, Now no chastising seems to be joyful in the present, for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And it's one of those things, if you grow up in a home that you've, you've been disciplined, it is a good thing because it's a surety. It, it, it's a comfort 
It's you have boundaries because your parents love you and they've set those boundaries. You cross them, for sure you're getting in trouble. And it's, it's such a comfort because you, you know where you belong. You know where you're supposed to be. You know what is, is expected of you in the household. I don't know how many of you guys have been around people or maybe you guys were raised that way where there are no rules. And it's kind of like, it's hard because you don't know where to go. You have no assurance. You have no, this is, this is the way it is in, or else. <laughs> Not in that situation, but if you guys have dealt with kids that are hard to deal with, most of the time in their home, there aren't any rules. There's no discipline that takes place. And then you bring them into a situation where you start giving them rules and following through and what they're supposed to be doing. It's so awesome, their relationship and how it grows with you because they have such a comfort there. And I know the bridge is going to become one of those places that, you know, they know what to expect when they get there. Usually when you're raised in a home without discipline or anything, you go home, you don't know what to expect. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of people that have been raised in some very hard homes where you go home, you have, it, it could be a horrible situation you're walking into and all of a sudden you're going to be a part of it. And it's sad to have to go through those things, but getting to see that it's so awesome that God's way is not that way. That we're always guessing and we're lurking and like, okay, when is it going to come down? The, you know, when am I in trouble? It's no, he's, he, he's our father. He's going to take care of us as if we're sons and daughters of his, just like he says, and he's going to deal with the problem. And what a loving father, because he'll deal with it, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I can put my hand back in yours. Let's go forward. I get to have that awesome relationship with you, and it's so good. One of my, uh, I don't know if you guys knew, my parents were foster parents to girls when I was growing up. And there was one girl, uh, awesome girl. She just came into the house. She was one of the worst ones my parents ever had. She was only 12 years old, which was younger than they usually had. And uh, after about six months of her being there, I mean, just she, every rule that was there destroyed him, destroyed the house, destroyed, I mean, just like constant on a, on a crazy tantrum. And my parents couldn't figure out what to do with her. And you guys know that you, as foster parents, you're not really allowed to spank the kids. It's a big no-no, especially nowadays. But anyways, so... They were trying to figure out what was going on. My parents said, you know what, Julia, we love you. And we don't know why you're going out of control like this. We love you. And she's all under Kentucky accent, which I can't do really good. But she's all, you know, if, if you love me, you'd spank me like you spank your own kids. And she'd never been raised in a situation like that. And so the next time, I mean, this is, she's a pretty hefty girl. My dad went over there. She did something wrong. He bent her over, <laughs> put her over his lap, <laughs> whap, gave her a good five swats. That girl loved my parents until, the, until she moved on to the next place. But it was one of those situations. I mean, to this day, she has a great relationship with my parents because that was the first time in her life that she was showing love through discipline. She didn't do a single thing wrong after that either. It was like, boom. She just needed that reassurance that she had somebody that was loving her enough to stop her where she was at and say, no, you crossed the line, now come and receive the discipline. And it was so awesome to see that girl's life changed right from that moment and get to see, oh, here's some people that do love me, that do truly care about me, because they just treated me like their own sons. And what a cool situation to go through. That's what he's like with us. If he dealt with Israel like he dealt with Israel, guess what? Us that are grafted in, we're sons and daughters now. He's going to deal with us in the same way. Thank the Lord we have grace, though, right? <laughs> There's no earth that's going to open up and swallow us and... <laughs> So it's a good age to be in. Let's just say that. Thank the Lord for that. All right. I better just move on to the other points or else we're not going to have any time here. So the third point is to pursue peace and holiness. And that's in verses 14 through 17. 
And this is one of those ones that I was talking about, going to the church, looking for that. And that's one of those things that's going to help you guys get through difficult times as your church body. And I joke about it, but I know you guys know it's true. You guys will find a lot of relief. You guys will find a lot of comfort with the people that are here. There's a lot of like-mindedness, and there's, there's, everybody here retreats back to Jesus. So we all know what it's like. So we can encourage each other. So in verses 14 through 17, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. And so, right there, talking about just finding that peace. It says, pursue peace with all people. And what that is, is it's not agreeing with all people. That's not what it's saying. It's, it's having that peaceable time with them. It's, it's not looking for every argument or every point that you can prove them wrong in because you've studied through that or, or you know everything. But pursue that peace with all people and holiness, that being set apart. Set apart unto God. And we're, we'll get into a little bit later that He's the one that's going to call us to His holiness. It's not a holiness that we're developing in ourselves. It's calling us to His holiness and being set apart. And so there's a difference there. And get in to see a person that's a peace and a holy person, which out no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this uh, springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now that bitterness thing is a big deal, isn't it? What happens is if we can't give any forgiveness, if there is not any grace that's being poured out, and you guys know there's been a ton of grace poured out on us, right? How often do we pour that out on the next person that just cut us off? You know, it's, it usually doesn't come quick. Or that person that got the wrong order in the restaurant, and you got to chew them out and let them know what it's like. <laughs> How dare you bring me something I didn't order, you jerk. <laughs> you know, and going to that place or making these big deals out of nothing and rather than pouring out grace on the person, giving them something that they don't deserve. And those, even those situations we're definitely wrong in. But there's the other situations where somebody could really offend you. It could be something that's horribly done to you, but you have that grace and you have that forgiveness. I say that forgiveness because if you guys don't enter into forgiveness, bitterness will definitely come up. It will come up like a tree, and it will be rooted, and it'll, it, it's horrible. And what will end up happening is if you have that bitterness, there's just such this hate. And you can't focus really on anything else. And any time that person is brought up, it's automatic. It's like, boom, bad thoughts about them. And what I want to tell them next time, I'm going to see them. You know? And you have this whole list, and maybe these letters written out. <laughs> And this is how I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to show them who's boss next time. Or I'm going to show them the errors of their ways, and I'm going to get the Bible out. We're going to get serious this time. Being careful not to have that bitterness because it's, it's, it's horrible. It will just ruin you. And there's like a year that I had to go through bitterness, and it, it was so sad because it hurt our marriage. It hurt the thing with my kids. It hurt the ministry that we were involved in. I was consumed by it. I couldn't get out of it. It was just a cloud, and it completely changed my character to where now, now people they, they, that used to know me then and during that time, they, they know me now, and they're like, you're a totally different person. I didn't even know your character was that way. And it's a sad thing because they completely saw a different character of, well, what it was is self-exalted because I didn't get my way or because I was hurt in a certain way, so I was going to make everybody pay around. 
you know, and you go into this bitterness, it's, it's such a disgusting poison. If you guys are in that bitterness right now, get out of it. Go put it before Jesus and just say, you know what, I need to forgive like you've forgiven me because I've done horrible things and I keep doing them and you forgive me every single time. Show me how to do this and you got to work through me to do this. Get rid of that bitterness out of your life. It won't be any healthy thing that's going to be developed in your life from it. And then he moves on and he talks about being careful and this is the person that would say, you know, I've had all this stuff. I had this right to Jesus, but I'm going to give it all up. Talking about Esau. He had this awesome birthright. And because his body needed something, because he had a desire of his body, he decided to throw it all away. And it's so sad to see how many of our youth nowadays or how many of people, you know, the world's telling them, go try the other person out like a, like a car to see if they're okay, and then you can go ahead and marry them. And what that's doing is that's throwing completely that relationship. That's saying, I'm going to go do it my own way because the body wants this. And so I'm going to go do this first. And then later on, when it comes down to it, I'm going to be really sad that I lost that birthright that I was entitled to. And I have a side note. This is here, just a reminder. It says, tears don't bring salvation. Tears don't bring salvation. Repentance does. Because you look at Esau, and what happens is he diligently sought after that birthright with tears, right? Like bawling, (laughs) wanting that. But there wasn't any repentance. There wasn't anything that happened like that. So he sold his birthright just because his body was hungry. And then ends up that he loses it. And there wasn't any repentance there. It's a sad story with that happened there. But looking back at how we can go through those hard times and how that encourages us is because of what it talks about there. And it says, you know, the pursue the peace and look for that. Any of those times that you guys are going through the hard time, check it and see, especially if it's within a person, if it's in a relationship. Look at what's going on. Look at what your mindset is. Is there grace involved there? Are you trying to make peace with them? Is there being a set apart? Is there holiness being applied to it? I mean, you can put any of those situations in there, and I'm guaranteeing you guys that probably your situation is going to get a little bit better if you start pursuing those things, like what it says here. That's what we're supposed to be doing, pursue. Renew that spiritual vitality in the life. And then the last one. Looks like we're going to make it. The last one is remember who we serve. And these next part of Scripture, uh, pay attention to what's going on here. And try to put yourself in this situation of where Israel was, because I cannot imagine being in front of God like they were in front of God at that mountain. So let's go ahead and read through it in verses 18 till the end of the chapter. It says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched, and that burned with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest. And now it's talking about when they went to Mount Sinai, okay? And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word, the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that what, uh, what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, the spirits of, the ju- of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they, had, if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on the earth, uh, much more shall we not ex- escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. 
whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, of the things that are made, that the things that cannot be shaken, uh, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Whoa, right? <laughs> awesome God we serve. Now, if we put ourselves in that situation, I mean, right now, have you guys ever been through an earthquake? Any of you guys? They're weird, aren't they? Because you absolutely have no control. I remember we were down in Costa Rica, and I'm leaning up against the wall, and I'm like, boom, boom. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I didn't drink anything. <laughs> I'm like, man, my head is messed up. And all the kids are like running around. It was a big one. And I could feel everything standing up against that wall because it's connected to the ground. And it was scary because right away I want to know where my kids are, if they're underneath the roof or anything, if it's going to come down. And we had them often there. But every time, I mean, there's sometimes I could hear it coming. You know how they kind of have the ripple? It sounded like a, a semi-truck with an empty trailer coming down a gravel road. And you could just hear it, and all of a sudden, boom, it would just hit and shake everything and then go on. Amazing. Okay? Now, I can't imagine being there and hearing the voice of God and that shaking the ground because we look at the shaking the ground with the, the earthquakes as tectonic plates moving. Okay, we have a whole science we can explain. But just from God's voice, just from his voice, shaking and having Moses, the one that's the closest to him, saying he's terrified and he's shaking too. I mean, it, right then you're kind of like, okay, this is a, this is a serious deal. This, this is a real God. And he's shaking the earth just by his voice. And now what it says is that he's going to shake it again, he's going to even shake the heavens this next time. Powerful, awesome God. And it's so cool to see that what we're set in there, and it talks about that how big it is and, and what we're a part of. You know, it says that, yeah, this happened in Mount Zion, or, uh, uh, Sinai. That was a little thing compared to what's going to happen in Mount Zion. But we got to be included in that. We get to be a part of that. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. It's just a serious thing. Verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And this is where it gets really neat, because now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So neat, because everything on this earth, everything that the world tells us is sure, because faith is useless, right? That's what they tell us. Everything that they put their two cents in, their, their, their lottery ticket, whatever, their whole confidence in, especially science, science is their God or whatever you want to go, all this confidence that they have in their whole system, guess what, all that stuff shakes. All of that shakes. Everything that's on this earth that a man could put in, and especially that exalts self, will be shaken. But then he says, you know what? All that's going to be shaken, and it's going to be even crazier than it was at Mount Sinai. You think those people were afraid then? Yeah, it's just going to be a whole other level here. But there's the part that's not shaken. And because we're in Jesus Christ, we don't get shaken, guys. And just at the whole end of this, if you guys are going through a difficult time and a hard time, 
There's things that we can say, oh, you know what, just get over it, but that's not the case. But I want to encourage you guys, don't be shaken. Don't be shaken by those things. Because most of those things are things we're dealing with the world, and, and maybe, it, you know, and I don't want to be, uh, belittle at all, but there's certain things we have to deal with with our bodies, viruses that come on us, horrible illnesses. But all that stuff is of this earth. That stuff's all going to be burned away, right? All that stuff is shakable. God's guaranteed us that in Him it's unshakable. And what a neat promise. And so we really come down and we really look at it and we say, okay, what I'm going through right now, is this something that is going to pass away and you know, it's going to move on? How can I draw closer to, to my God and Savior through this situation? Because God, I don't want to be shaken. And you told me I'm not going to be. I'm a part of you. I, I'm a part of this unshakable system. And so I just want to hold on you and not be shaken by these things. And so can you show me how to do that? And that's part of that time we get to go through with him. Don't retreat back to some entertainment and something that's going to go. Guys, the time is so short. It's so short. And so as we draw closer to him and we take every one of those times very serious, it's going to be an awesome deal because it's going to be this awesome strength that God has to show his light to the world. There's still so many people out there that are lost that need to hear him. And they're looking for something that doesn't shake. Hillary Clinton was supposed to be that for a lot of people. <laughs> Watch some of those videos, man. People are tore up because it wasn't her. Their lives have been shaken. There's so many youth now that have been betrayed and given all these lies, and so every little thing that comes up, they get shaken by. And we have the truth to deliver to them. I pray that the Lord will have a revival come up and an awesome situation that will happen within the millennials that will bring them to Jesus Christ and show them they can't be shaken through him. And it'll be an awesome thing when God gets to show them that, right? In verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Right? Amen, right? It's awesome. Lord, we do want to just worship you and praise you and put you in a rightful place in our lives, Lord. I thank you that you've put us in a kingdom that is unshakable. Lord, and I can't wait for you to come back. It's going to be an awesome thing. But Lord, is this time that you have us here, and as we're waiting for your return, Lord, I pray that you'd be profitable in our lives, that we would take it very serious in focusing on you, Lord. Um, that we remember who you are, that we'd have that godly fear that you've called us to, and, and remember that you are that consuming fire, that you are going to deal with all the wrong and all the evil, and we thank you for that. We thank you that there is going to be justice, Lord. We do ask at the same time you continue to pour out your mercy on those that are rejecting you, Lord, that we might have a chance and go give them your message, that they would come to you, Lord, especially our family members that we care very much for. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness we need and the right words, Lord, and I pray that you just convict them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we know it has to be a work through you and their decision, but Lord, please don't let up. Make it very hard for them. They wouldn't be able to sleep without having to think about you. I know you, there's so many awesome testimonies of people that weren't able to do that. They, they had vision after vision or dream after dream and thought after thought of you, and they just could not escape that, Lord. And so we plead with you that you would do that for our family members, those people that we love, Lord, and that we would be able to go to them and be joyful, be excited as the prodigal son, as they come back. They were in the world for a while, but they've come back to you. What an awesome thing to have, Lord, and a thing that we can rejoice with you over. And so we just ask that you would do that, Lord. I ask for everybody in this room, as they go through difficult times and the hard times, Lord, that the focus would be completely on you. That they pursue uh, the different things that you've asked them to pursue, 
Lord, that we'd have that endurance that you called us to, that we wouldn't be weary, that we wouldn't give up on your work in our life. Lord, we'd ask that you just give us that strength to keep going forward. Lord, we want to be about you every single day. And we just thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.